0: Welcome to this reading of the Business Record, Central Iowa's Business Weekly. I'm Pat Steele. All material heard on IRIS is intended for the use of listeners with print disabilities. Now, here's our first story from the October 4th edition of the Business Record. The Iowa Energy Center Board awarded nearly $1.6 million in grants to six projects throughout the IEC grant program. The competitive funding opportunity allows eligible applicants. To pursue projects that align with one of the key focus areas of the Iowa Energy Plan and provide a benefit to Iowa rate payers. An IEC board committee reviewed and scored applications based on alignment with the Iowa Energy Plan, the ratepayer benefit, project goals, programmatic capabilities, and collaboration efforts among other criteria. Listed below are the organizations that receive grant awards. First up, Iowa State University received $201,916 for a low-cost bio-inspired hydroelectric system for using untapped riverine hydropower in Iowa. The University of Iowa received $315,000 for the development of functionalized noncomposite membranes for the selective high-capacity recovery of critical materials for a clean energy transition. University of Northern Iowa received $176,358 for a resilient Iowa communities rural support project. Iowa State University received $300,000 for a 3D bioprinting of microbial biofilms for gas pipeline corrosion prevention project. Iowa State University received $300,000 for a modernization of protection and stability techniques for 100% clean. Electricity project, Iowa State received two hundred and ninety thousand dollars for an artificial intelligence guided lignin valorization to make bio-based batteries through interfacial engineering for waste to wealth conversion project. Obesity and overweight had an estimated seven hundred twenty-five million dollar seven hundred twenty-five million dollar impact on the state's budget in twenty twenty-two. They broke that down by $9.3 million in higher medical premiums, $18.1 million in higher public assistance costs, and $22.2 million in business tax loss, and $27.1 million in early mortality. Less than a week after the Obesity's Impact on Iowa's Economy and Labor Force report by Globe Data PLC was released, the Iowa Healthy State Initiative hosted a roundtable discussion presented by Eli Lilly and Company on October 3rd to talk about the findings from the study and next steps. Business and government leaders as well as nonprofit organizations were invited to learn about the report, listen to a panel discussion and ask questions. One of the main findings from the study was that for 2022, excess weight and obesity reduced economic activity in Iowa by $5.7 billion. Jamie Harborough, executive director at the Iowa Healthy State Initiative said, I felt like we had some great questions. I think you know we don't have all the answers. This is a whole new area and so I feel like we had a wide variety of different attendees that come from different sectors and I think that's what's critical is it has to be a multi-sector approach. To actually treating obesity and preventing it. To see that we could bring people already together from that multi sector perspective made me really happy, and we'll have to continue with that. The event featured a medical perspective from Leon Johns, a clinical associate professor of internal medicine, endocrinology, and meta- metabolism at the University of Iowa Healthcare. A policy and patient perspective from Catherine Ferguson, Vice President of Federal Advocacy for the American Diabetes Association, and an employer perspective from Amy Wadstrom, Chief Operating Officer for Vivid Clear RX, a subsidiary of High V. Johns Ferguson and Watchstrom, along with Tracy Sims, Executive Director of Corporate Affairs for Lilly and Dr. Jennifer Groose, a board-certified pediatrician in Des Moines, discussed ideas for next steps following the release of the report. Sims said, I think conversations like this are remarkably important to addressing the disease state of obesity for several reasons. One, we have to raise awareness of obesity as a serious, complex disease. Second, these conversations help us recognize that to treat a disease... We have to use evidence-based care, and we need health care providers to be at the center with the person who is suffering from obesity. And if we can take patient-centric approaches, we're going to have a higher chance of getting the right therapy for the person and providing them the support that is necessary. I think, third, these discussions help us understand that there are several areas of obesity care that need to be modernized, and one is evidence-based care. The second is improving access to all forms of care, and that means, in many cases, that health policy and health practice have to be modernized. One of the first steps that was discussed, and that can be implemented immediately everywhere, was changing the language as used when talking about obesity. Habert said, uh, Haber said, I'm sorry, I think there are some great resources out there like Obesity Action Coalition. I think it's first, how are we talking about it and looking at how we can talk differently about it so that we aren't stigmatizing. And I think a lot of that does start with visuals as well. When you think about the visuals that are typically used when representing obesity, they are probably not the most appropriate or sensitive, and so how can we start to talk more about obesity like we talk about other physical conditions like heart disease and diabetes? We talk about those very openly and less in a stigmatizing manner. Hopefully, we can change that conversation here in Iowa. Elsewhere in the business record for October 4th, the new president's been named at Frederickson Law Firm. Melody Rose has been named the new president, and it's a law firm here in the Midwest with offices in Des Moines and Ames. Rose is the firm's first female president. She has worked at the law firm, which is headquartered in Minneapolis, for 33 years. She currently serves on the firm's board of directors, is chair of the firm's business division, and is a member of the compensation committee. Former Frederickson president, John Konak, is stepping down after serving 19 years as president. Koneck will focus on his real estate practice as well as pro bono and community service work. Debbie Anselm will lead the Iowa Newspaper Association as its new Executive Director, effective October 24th. Anselm has more than 20 years of experience in the industry, most recently serving as the Association's Board President and with Lee Enterprises as President, Iowa SBU. At the end of that process, the search committee unanimously agreed that Debbie Anselm is the right choice to lead the INA, said Terry Christensen, INA board president. Debbie has been a leader in the newspaper industry in both Lee Enterprises and Iowa for many years. She also has experience lobbying, managing nonprofit organizations, driving revenue, and overseeing multiple publications. And some will replace Susan Patterson-Plank, who left after a decade with INA, to rejoin Gannett Company as Vice President of Strategic Initiatives, which is a newly established position designed to work collaboratively with press associations around the country. Palmer Group has launched its annual survey to gauge salary and hiring expectations for 2024. The survey will remain open until Friday, October 13th. The annual survey, done in conjunction with the Greater Des Moines Partnership, addresses plans for increasing wages, hiring plans for the upcoming year, and what employers' chief concerns are for the upcoming year. Results from the survey will be published in Palmer Group's annual survey guide on November 1st. Palmer Group is a West Des Moines-based employment agency that provides job placement, staffing services, managed services, and outpatient services. And you'll be able to uh, find highlights in the survey in the business record after Salary Guide is published. And a sports note in the business record. The Iowa Demon Hawks return home to play at Buccaneer Arena in 2023-2024. Uh, Demon Hawks, our major arena soccer league two team, will return to Des Moines for the 23-24 season and play its home games at the Buccaneer Arena. League officials and team owner Darwin Salis recently spent a full day at the arena making sure the turf, glass, and boards would be ready for the team's home opener on December 8th against the Iowa Raptors. The 34th uh, arena, which seats 3,450 people, is also home to the Des Moines Buccaneers of the United States Hockey League. The Iowa Demon Hawks and Iowa Raptors shared the Alliant Energy Powerhouse in Cedar Rapids last year and are both set to begin their second seasons in Major Arena Soccer Lake 2. And there can find more information about the Demon Hawks on their website. Local and state leaders broke ground on a new Des Moines International Airport terminal yesterday saying it will meet the growing demand as the region continues to expand. The new terminal is part of a $570 million project to expand the airport, including increased parking, a new entrance road, and other amenities. The cost of the new terminal is estimated at $445 million. Speakers at the event included Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, Des Moines Mayor Frank County, Polk County Board of Supervisors Chairman Tom Hawkinsmith, and Des Moines Airport Authority Board Chairman Jake Christensen. The airport has struggled with the capacity to handle increased air travel, which hit record levels in Des Moines in 2019, and officials say a new terminal and related improvements are an integral component to continuing the economic development momentum the region has seen in recent years. Nearly two million passengers have passed through the gates at the airport through August of this year, the most recent data available on the airport's website. That is up from about 1.8 million for the same period in 2022. The airport um, had, I'm sorry, the airport continues to see a funding gap of about 54 million dollars for the project, and voters will be asked to consider a 350 million dollar bond issue to help secure funds for the project. When they go to the polls on November 7th, the airport will use a mix of state funding, federal airport improvement program funds, and money from the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act. The airport has also reached an agreement with 20 regional communities with commitments for $28.6 million. Prairie Metals has also committed $5 million to the project. Kevin Foley, the airport's executive director, had previously said that additional funding from the bipartisan infrastructure could be secured with a three-year window to apply for additional funding. The airport authority in July approved the first bid package for the terminal project. That package includes site work, foundation, utilities, and steel work. There will be a total of five bid packages for phase one of the project, with all bids for the first phase being in by September 2024. Completion of the new terminal is planned for the fall of 2026. Once the move into the new terminal is complete, demolition of the existing terminal will begin. Work on the 1100 space, 1100 foot space expansion of the airport's parking garage is underway with completion scheduled for the spring of 2025. Catholic Charities, Diocese of Des Moines, will celebrate 100 years of providing service to people in Central and Southwest Iowa. In mid-September, the organization embarked on its year-long celebration toward a 100-year legacy and shared its vision for the future. To mark the milestone, Catholic Charities released a 20-minute video featuring Catholic Charities' clients, leaders, volunteers, community partners, and staff sharing messages about hope and impact. Since 1924, Catholic Charities has offered individuals and families various services, including counseling, an emergency family shelter, a food pantry, and refugee services. Catholic Charities also announced a new fundraising initiative. The Catholic Charities Centennial Fund is designed to help innovate and expand all of its program areas to better address the ever-changing needs of the people It serves, and if you want additional information on the upcoming centennial events, you can find that at the Catholic Charities website. Principal Charity Classic appoints Executive Director and a Tournament Director. Eventive Sports of Birmingham, Alabama and the Principal Charity Classic announced that Alex McCarty was promoted to Tournament Director and former Tournament Director Steve Neiman will become the Executive Director for the tournament. McCarty joined the Principal Charity Classic team as an intern in 2014 and has since managed two BMW championships on the PGA Tour and the U.S. Senior Open. He most recently served as the sales director for the Principal Charity Classic. Neiman served as the tournament director for the past two years. In his new role, he will manage the PGA Tour champions relationship and help shape the strategic vision with the board of directors for the Principal Charity Classic. He will also continue to serve as the Assistant Vice President of the Golf Division for event of Sports. The 2024 Principal Charity Classic will take place May 29th to June 2nd at the Wakanda Club in Des Moines. Elsewhere for this October 4th uh, version of the business record, Michael Cardwell has been named Fire Chief and Emergency Preparedness Director for the City of Urbandale, and the City has announced that this week. Cardwell has been the city's assistant fire chief since 2008. He has been instrumental in implementing several successful emergency preparedness initiatives in Urbandale and the Des Moines metropolitan area, according to a news release. He helped lead the planning, construction, and construction of Urbandale's fire and safety training facility. He also was involved in a cutting-edge site that advances training for emergency responders. In addition, he spearheaded regional partnerships, including the Central Iowa Fire EMS Testing Consortium and the Polk County Regional Mass Casualty Incident Plan. Cardwell has a master's degree in public administration from Upper Iowa University and has earned the National Fire Academy's Executive Fire Officer designation. He replaces former Chief Jerry Holt, who retired in August Cardwell, who began his new job this week, will be paid $141,500 annually. Next up is a column by Emily Barsky-Wood, and it's entitled Extra Extra Read All About the New Economic Trends from the Best of Des Moines Winners. As the Business Record does each year, they ask their readers to cast votes for what Des Moines has to offer in a variety of businesses-related categories. These businesses, leaders, and organizations make up an ecosystem in the region that supports a strong and vibrant community. This year, the Business Record followed up with the winners and asked them to tell us their thoughts about the business ecosystem in Greater Des Moines. Many of their answers were featured online in the September 22nd printed issue. Here are a few extra answers that weren't included in that coverage about some of the economic trends these leaders want others to know about. And the business record hopes you enjoy reading them. First question that Emily Barsky-Wood asked was, in your industry, what is one new trend that other businesses should be aware of? And Bill Wright, Managing Director of CBRE, answered, I foresee a continued focus on creative reuse in reinventing commercial real estate properties that have become tired or past their useful life. Construction costs have made many projects difficult to pencil and find a development pro forma that makes economic sense. I expect landlords and developers that are creative at redeveloping and repositioning commercial properties to have success in the near term. Don Coffin, the CEO and president of Bankers Trust, uh, had this response to what one trend business leaders should be made aware of. Coffin writes, a strong culture is imperative and it goes beyond the perks and benefits companies offer. When it comes down to it, culture is about how you feel when you're at work. One of the biggest indicators for us has been to boomerang employees who have left and then come back to Bankers Trust because they didn't realize just how unique our culture is. Being a premier workplace is something we highly prioritize and cultivate in many ways by valuing employee engagement and communications providing professional development opportunities, listening to employee feedback, and investing in the communities that we serve. Casey Rotas, Director of Development and Communication at the Animal Rescue League of Iowa, said, With nearly 70% of people having a pet, they are more a part of our lives than ever. We continue to see Des Moines grow as a pet-friendly city in so many ways, and we expect efforts to continue to grow as we make room for our four-legged loved ones. There's uh, more than one trend that we want to highlight, says a business record. Firstly, the rate at which the business world is setting net zero carbon emissions commitment is increasing. Between 2020 and 2022, net zero corporate commitments increased 75 percent from 20 to 35 percent. This trend will accelerate when the SEC's climate disclosure rule is released and carbon reporting and reduction goal requirements are added to the U.S. federal acquisition regulation. Secondly, more and more building users are asking about and improving indoor air quality in their facilities. Business records sees far more questions about the versatility and the air quality of HVAC systems than ever before. This is factoring into design and leasing decisions more than we have seen in the past. Actually, that's uh, not from the business records. From Brad Schoenfelder, who's the president of Midwest Region. Ryan costs, so I apologize for that. And third, Brad said, Lastly, construction technology is always advancing. One method of advancement we are testing is creating a digital twin of our built facilities using reality capture technology. Using this, we are able to improve upon construction output. In future facility operations, this has become, this has even more potential when coupled with artificial intelligence to capture Analyzed performance data. Stephen King, the executive director of Des Moines Arts Festival, said that nationally artists are diversifying where they sell or present their work. Rowena Crosby, president of Terrell International, said that the new trend in her field is that employees entering the workforce consider professional development to be part of their compensation. Business leaders who recognize this and champion training and coaching opportunities for people at all levels of the organization will enjoy a fully skilled and highly motivated workforce. Craig Erickson, the business unit director of Des Moines, Shive Hattery, said a new trend in his field is artificial intelligence can potentially transform the architectural, engineering, and construction industry by combining human creativity with computational power, resulting in more innovative and effectively built environments. Artificial intelligence offers a range of benefits to the industry, enhancing various aspects of design, analysis, and decision-making, such as design optimization and finding more efficient, cost-effective, and innovative solutions. This includes energy efficiency and sustainability, modeling by optimizing building systems and components for energy efficiency and sustainability, but integrating artificial intelligence, or AI, in architecture and engineering may develop new regulations and industry standards to ensure that AI technologies responsible and ethical use. Michael McCoy, who is the executive director of the Metro Waste Authority, said a new trend in his field is that new forms of waste and ways to handle it are always emerging, while waste streams evolve, transforming the needs of the Metro Metro Waste Authority remains committed to delivering exceptional programs and innovative solutions while providing excellent service to our communities. Now we turn to our real estate news for this week. This is a column written by Kathy Bolton and writes about all the latest news in real estate in both Polk and Dallas counties. The state of Iowa has completed its purchase of office property at 6200 Park Avenue in Des Moines. The state paid William C. Knapp $18 million for the 15.2-acre property that includes a 138,978-square-foot, two-story office building. Construction of the building was completed in 2002. In August, the Executive Council of Iowa approved buying the property. State officials have said agencies currently located in the Henry A. Wallace Building at 812 East Grand Avenue would be relocated to the Park Avenue property, Those agencies include the Iowa Department of Agriculture and the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. The future of the Wallace Building, which has had several structural and maintenance issues since its construction in the late 1970s, is uncertain. The Park Avenue building includes warehouse space, a fitness center with showers and lockers, and a grab-and-go market with a lounge, according to a brochure about the property. The building most recently was occupied by Wells Fargo. The Park Avenue property, because it's now state-owned, is tax exempt and won't generate any property tax revenue in the 2021 tax year. The I'm sorry, in any property tax revenue from now on. In the 2021 tax year, the property generated $483,304 in property taxes for the City of Des Moines, Polk County, Des Moines School District, and other taxing entities. The property is valued at $9.3 million. In other real estate transactions, IA10 Windsor Heights LLC, which is based in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, paid Knapp Windsor $807,602 for property at 6322 Hickman Road in Windsor Heights. The two-acre parcel is vacant. and The property is valued at $760,000. Scott and Leanne Goldsmith paid Dynasty Partner Homes $1.6 million for property at 847 Northwest 106th Court in Johnston. Construction of the 2,500-square-foot house was recently completed. Aggregate 4 LLC, which is based in Overland Park, Kansas, paid DIV Clipper LLC $1.8 million for property at 1817 Euclid Avenue in Des Moines. It's a nearly five-acre parcel, includes a 19,125-square-foot warehouse built in 1974. The property is located just east of the Des Moines River, also includes two other small warehouses and several small garages and sheds, and the property is valued at $895,000. James and Jenna Stork paid Dara Sart Carter $1.99, two seven million dollars for property on Northwest 107th Street in Johnston. The seven acre parcel includes a 4,800 square foot house that was built in 1994 in two utility buildings. In Dallas County one real estate transaction Quick Trip Incorporated based in La Crosse, Wisconsin paid the Carroll Crate Estate two million dollars for property at uh, 15980 Hickman Road in Clive, Dallas County real estate records show. The 4.89 acre parcel includes a 1,434 square foot house built in 1890. The parcel also includes a barn, poultry house, and sheds. The property is valued at $437,680 Clive's Planning and Zoning Commission and City Council have approved a preliminary plat and site plan for a Quick Star convenience store planned on the site. Construction is expected to begin in early 2024. A new convenience store is expected to open in the fall of 2024, according to Clive City records. Invest Des Moines is accepting proposals for the redevelopment of vacant property at 3524 6th Avenue in Des Moines. The site had been home to the Highland Park apartment building, which was recently torn down. Invest DSM is a joint effort between the city of Des Moines and Polk County to expand revitalization efforts in the city's neighborhoods, and it owns the property. The nonprofit group has proposed developing a mixed-use project on the site called Commons at Highland Park. Proposals are due by 5 p.m. November 30th. For more information about the request for proposals, You can check the Invest Des Moines website. Developers interested in learning more about the project are invited to attend an information meeting from 8.30 to 10 a.m. on Thursday at Invest Des Moines offices. That's located on 525 Southwest 5th Street, Suite F in Des Moines. You're listening to this week's edition of the Business Record. Our thanks to the folks at Business Publications for providing a copy of the Business Record to IRIS so that we can read it for you. If you have any comments on this or any other IRIS program, give us a call at 515-243-6833. Harry Bookie inducted into the Multifamily Executive Hall of Fame. Harry Bookie is the founder and chairman of BH Management Services and has been inducted into the Multifamily Executive's Hall of Fame, the organization announced. Bookie founded the Multifamily Management Company in 1993. Since then, the Des Moines-based company has grown to become the nation's eighth-largest multifamily property management firm and 22nd-largest multifamily owner-operator, managing more than 107,000 apartment units in 29 states and generating more than $1.75 billion in annual gross revenues. Bookie, who with wife Pamela Bass Bookie lives in Des Moines, has been involved with numerous redevelopment projects in the capital city, including the recently completed redevelop- redevelopment of property at 3750 Grand Avenue. The site had been home to First Church of Christ, scientists. A portion of the church was demolished, and an eight-story condominium building has been constructed on the site. The AIA-Deltech Architectural Buildings Index eased modestly in August with a score of 48.1% marking the 11th straight month of essentially flat billings at architecture firms, the American Institute of Architects reports. Any score below 50 indicates decreasing business conditions. In the Midwest region, which includes Iowa, the August score also was 48.1. A year ago, the Midwest region score was above 50. The ABI has identified a decline in billings in the Midwest this past August, Jessica Reinert, AIA, Iowa's executive director, said in a prepared statement. The only market sector seeing growth is commercial-industrial. New project work is stalling within architectural firms. and This decline is creating some uncertainty on to what is to come for the remainder of 2023. Quickstar Planned in Norwalk's Mixed-Use Development, a Quickstar convenience store with fuel pumps, is planned in Norwalk on a three-acre parcel located south of Chatham Avenue and east of Iowa Highway 28. The city's Planning Zoning Commission, in late September, approved a site plan for the project. The project is planned in Norwalk's Hughes-Century Crossing Retail District, which is part of the mixed-use development called Norwalk Central. The development is expected to include retail shops, hotels, restaurants, sporting and recreation venues, and public spaces such as trails, parks, and an amphitheater. The Quickstar project includes a 953-square-foot convenience store with an attached car wash and 10 islands with fuel dispensers. Also at the September meeting, the Commission approved... The preliminary plat and site plan for a hotel planned on about 3.5 acres north of the planned extension of Chatham Avenue, which is east of Highway 28. The Norwalk City Council in August approved a development agreement between the city and Hussman Construction, which is developing the hotel property. In September, both the Commission and Council approved architectural elevations of the hotel. Hussman Development, based in Anamosa, plans on building a four-story, 83-room hotel on the site. The True Hotel by Hilton will include a swimming pool, lounge, and activity space. Also planned are 88 parking spots. The City Council is expected to vote on the Quick Star plan and the Hotel Preliminary plat and Site Plan at its next meeting. And Kathy Bolton from the Business Record provides an update in this column. It's entitled The Project Update The Center at 6th Street, the proposed North Des Moines Mixed Use Project is moving forward. And what is it? Well, it's the Center at 6th. It's a mixed use development on the 6th Avenue corridor located at 1714 6th Avenue in Des Moines. The developers, Ashworth Development LLC, with consultation from Christensen Development, project costs are estimated at $8.65 million. Newman-Monson Architects will be the architect for the project and civil engineering will be provided by civil engineering consultants. The preliminary design of the proposed mixed-use project that would be home to the center at 6th Incubator was recently approved by Des Moines Urban Design Review Board. The projects the details were released in the fall of 2021, is expected to include 9,000 square feet of commercial space as well as six second-floor live work units for artists and others. The second-story will also include gallery space for events and outreach. Center at 6th will be home to an incubator for culturally diverse entrepreneurs. Street-level space is expected to include three micro-food and beverage spaces, a food hall, and two large anchor spaces. The project's design has been scaled back slightly since it was first announced in 2021. The project project originally was proposed to include 32 apartments and about 12,000 square feet of commercial space. The project is being spearheaded by Ashworth Development, which is managed by Marquise Ashworth, a Des Moines entrepreneur. Ashworth is also a local music artist who in 2016 began making Small batch rye whiskey under the label Zayad, and he is a member of the Business Records 2023 20, 40 Under 40 class. The mixed use has been awarded a three million dollar grant from the state of Iowa's nonprofit innovation fund. The city of Des Moines is providing three hundred thousand dollar matching grant, and construction project is expected to begin next spring of 2024. Registration is now available for Frederickson's Iowa Employment Law Seminar on November 3rd at the Embassy Suites by Hilton Des Moines Downtown Hotel. Attendees will have a chance to learn about recent changes to laws affecting non-competes, separation agreements, and other increased employee protections at the federal and state levels, human resource trends and their legal implications, as well as finding pathways for minimizing risk without hindering the ability to attract top talent, also will be discussed during the seminar. The event will begin at 8.30 a.m. with registration and breakfast and end at 3 p.m. after a Q&A session. And you can register for the event at the Employment Law Center website. James William has been named Administrator for Vocational Rehabilitation Services, a division of Iowa Workforce Development the state agency announced. The appointment is effective immediately. Williams previously was CEO of Bloom Consulting in Rock Round, Texas, and in 2021 was appointed as vice chair of the Texas State Rehabilitation Council. Beth Townsend, executive director of Iowa Workforce Development, said in a prepared statement, James has spent his professional life serving individuals with disabilities beginning as a special education teacher in Texas and progressing in both his education and work experience to being the CEO of Bloom Consulting a company that oversees delivery of rehabilitative services in seven states. Townsend said, We are so fortunate to find James as he is the perfect combination of passion for the work plus a wealth of experience, education, and expertise. Earlier this year, Iowa's Vocational Rehabilitation Services moved to become its own division within Iowa Workforce Development, centralizing the state's workforce-related programs and services. The change is designed to make it Easier for Iowans to access all available workforce services in a single location and work with a single team, according to the news release. The state's, uh, I'm sorry, Iowa's Rural Main Street Index sank more than 12 points to 41.4 in September from August 53.7, according to Creighton University's Rural Main Street Index, which was released last month. The state's new hiring index fell to 45.9 from 52.6 in August, and agricultural exports declined 14.8% in the first seven months of 2022 to $3.8 billion for the same period in 2023. But the farmland price index expanded slightly from 59.9 in August to 61.5 in September. The 10 states region overall reading dropped below growth neutral for the first time in six months, falling to 49.5 in September from 50.0 in August. Ernie Gross, the Creighton University Chair in Regional Economics, said in a press release, this is the weakest recorded reading since March of this year. Bankers indicated that the biggest challenge to community bank profitability over the next 12 months will be a downturn, in farm income. About half of bankers who were surveyed expect economic conditions to worsen in the next six months, with about 46 percent indicating that they expect another banking crisis in 2023. The survey is a snapshot of the economy in 10 states that are dependent on agriculture and energy and focuses on about 200 communities with an average population of about 1,300 people. In other regional findings from the report, Iowa's rural main street index sank more than 12 points, according to the Creighton University Rural Main Street Index, which was released last month. The state's new hiring index fell to 45.9 from 52.6 in August, and agricultural exports declined 14.8 percent. But farmland price index expanded slightly from 59.9 in August to 61.5 in September. The 10 state region's overall reading dropped below growth neutral for the first time in six months, falling to 49.5 in September from 50.0 in August. Goss said this is uh, very weak. It's indicating that the banker's biggest challenge uh, will continue to be the loss in downtown, uh, and sorry, a downturn in farm income. Survey is a snapshot in the 10 states, and other findings from the report include. Farmland Price Index climbed to 65.4. Farm Equipment Sales dipped to 44.0 from 46.0 in August. The Loan Volume Index fell to 70.3. The New Hiring Index dropped to 49.2. The Business Confidence Index sank to 26.8. That's down almost 12%, 12 points from the August reading. Home sales index fell to 37.0, its lowest reading since March, and down from the 59.3 in August. Goss said that higher mortgage rates are beginning to sink home sales. Retail sales index decreased from 51.9 in August to 48.1 in September, and the confidence index dropped to 26.8 from 38.9 in August, and that represents the most negative outlook recorded since July of 2022, according to Goss. Corteva, one of the world's biggest agricultural companies, has filed a lawsuit in federal court in Delaware, accusing the seed gene editing company Anari Agriculture of illicitly obtaining Corteva seeds from a U.S. depository and illegally shipping them to Europe, and that's according to the Wall Street Journal. Corteva alleges that the startup made small changes to the plant's genetics and now is seeking to patent the seeds in the United States. Theft of proprietary technology hurts not only our company, but also ultimately our nation's farmers, said Sam Earthington, Corteva's chief technology officer. Ineri declined to comment. Seeds are at the root of the global agricultural industry, generating tens of billions of dollars in sales. The world's largest crop seed developers include Corteva, Bayer, and Syngenta, along with a slew of startups are investing in the potential of gene editing technology and crops which allows scientists to make precise changes to plants existing DNA. Unity Point Health, the Polk County Housing Trust Fund, and community partners will gather to celebrate the Center Street neighborhood by dedicating a historical marker at Iowa Methodist Medical Center uh, today, Thursday. According to a press release, the event will honor the significance of Center Street, a once vibrant hub of black culture and life that was lost to urban renewal and the construction of the freeway, which is Interstate 235. By the 1940s and 1950s, the neighborhood was home to barbershops, restaurants, nightclubs, grocery stores and pharmacies, lawyers' offices, funeral homes, pool halls, hotels, laundries, server stations, a movie theater, a photography studio, and a print shop. But in the early 1960s, much of the neighborhood was torn down to make room for the freeway. The historical marker event is free and open to the public and will begin at 4 p.m. Despite declines, optimism re- remains high about the strength of Iowa's economy. This is a story written by business record reporter Michael Crumb. The state's manufacturers are beginning to feel the effects of a slowdown as has been forecast by some economist according to Iowa Business Council's third quarter Economic Outlook, which was released this week. The report shows that while the organization's members remain positive about the next six months, optimism has slipped from the prior quarter's report. A score of 50 or higher indicates the positive sentiment about the state's economy for the next six months. The Iowa Business Council is made up of 21 leaders from the state's largest employers. In the latest report, the overall index score is 59.92, and that's down 4.25 points from the second quarter, 64.17. Individual components of the report also declined. Sales expectations declined 6.85 points to 61.90. Employment expectations fell 5.36 points, and capital expending expectations fell slightly down uh, 0.54 points to 60.71. Joe Murphy, the Iowa Business Council president, said the decline in the report scores are the result of economic uncertainty that continues. He said, I think people are concerned about a potential slowdown, particularly in manufacturing. I think what's driving that continues to be a very real sense of uncertainty about what's going to happen, whatever that might be. Murphy added, I think that level of uncertainty continues to drive business decisions more so now than we're in through the summer months that we're heading into a cooling off period with some manufacturing. So I think some pullback is a reflection of that. He said the fact that capital spending index fell only slightly is a sign that Iowa's economy will remain strong. He said while we're seeing some pullback on manufacturing, people are still relatively optimistic about the future capital expenditures, which I think is a very important piece for a vibrant economy moving forward. Murphy said there if there had been a big drop in capital spending score, that would be a very big warning sign for us. The fact that we're not seeing that gives us a good sense of optimism. The report continued to identify hiring and tracking talent as a top concern among business council members, with 81 percent listing it as a primary challenge over the next six months. That was followed by an unfavorable business climate and then the cost of products and services. According to the report, 90% of those responding said it is somewhat somewhat very difficult to hire employees, paving the way for policy recommendations that the Business Council will make during the 2024 legislative session, Murphy said. He said these uh, figures set the table for us to begin to have more serious conversations about what those priorities will be. Our top issue continues to be workforce, so what policies can we continue to identify within our legislative priorities that relate to that? He said work will also continue on social infrastructure issues such as child care and housing. Mental health will also be a priority in the upcoming session, Murphy said. And tax policy continues to be an important part of becoming more competitive not only for individuals, but for businesses to come into Iowa, to stay in Iowa, and expand their operations in the state. Murphy said the effects of legislation passed in 2022 to lower corporate and personal income tax rates are beginning to be felt. It's having a positive effect on our workforce strategies and our competitive business climate strategies as well. We want to make sure that continues. Murphy said continued work on tax policy and social infrastructure can help address Iowa's workforce issues. What can we be doing just now from a tax policy perspective? What can the state do to better attract new businesses to Iowa, he said? That's a talent attraction tool. That's a population growth strategy. If we can get a big business to Iowa, they're not only going to create business opportunity here in the state, but they're going to bring a lot of people into the state as well which will put us at an advantage to make sure we're in a position to continue to thrive. And now we'll read the Albert uh, files, and titled uh this week is Airport History Part 2. This is a column written by David Albert of the Business Record, and it uh, begins with Jets in the Middle Years. In 1941, when members of the Des Moines Chamber of Commerce landed a U.S. Army National Guard base at the Des Moines Airport, they secured the airfield's future for the next seven decades. The airport moved to its current location on Fluor Drive in 1932, followed, following two earlier sites that were east of the city. The 1940 airport was spare by today's standards, with four short runways and two hangars, one for United Airlines and one for other aircraft. Nonetheless, as noted in Part 1 of this series, the airport was ranked among the four best municipal airfields, In the entire country, the field's size and reputation were factors in the army's decision to locate a national guard base to train pilots for World War II. For local business leaders, having military aircraft at on the field for more than 70 years, from 1941 through 2014, secured federal dollars for runway improvements and other operations. The city's first flyover by military jets was during a 1948 air show attended by 75,000. Also featured was a landing by a single-engine Piper Club atop a speeding auto, followed by its immediate takeoff. An airport passenger terminal was completed in 1951 at a cost of just under $1 million. It has been updated and expanded many times, but that original structure remains at the heart of today's operations. By 1951, the airport was handling 62,000 passengers annually. It grew in spurts to nearly 3 million passengers today. A popular feature of the 1951 terminal was its Cloud Room Restaurant, where former managers of the Hotel Savory and Grace Ransom's Tea Room were in charge and where stylish customers could watch takeoffs and landings by increasingly sophisticated aircraft. Some 15,000 people attended the terminal dedication on Sunday, September 23, 1951. A record 411 small airplanes landed that day. Wheeling around the airport, they buzzed like a swarm of gnats, the Des Moines Register reported. Another 100 aircraft were kept away by heavy rain and low visibility in northwest Iowa. During the the early 1950s, a 7,000-foot runway was built to handle military and eventually commercial jets. A terminal expansion in 1959 involved adding a 340-foot unheated concourse to connect passengers with flights. A second level of that concourse now contains passenger screening operations. Beginning in 1971, two wings were added, today's A and C concourses. Plans called for a B concourse extending straight out between A and C, but the growing size of modern aircraft made it unfeasible. In 1984, at the urging of local business leaders, city officials rebranded the Des Moines Municipal Airport as the Des Moines International Airport. The name change was more aspirational than factual, although a few private and charter flights did serve foreign destinations. Air travel changed a lot in the 1970s as passenger jets replaced propeller-driven aircraft and airplane hijackings added security concerns for travelers. The first x-ray machines for scanning luggage and metal detectors for passengers arrived in the mid-1970s. For many years, the rules were loosely enforced, but that changed immediately following September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks involving commercial aircraft. Des Moines air traffic stagnated after 1970s and 1980s deregulation efforts reconfigured air travel and created new issues. For several years, this cost as much to fly to Chicago, $450 to $500, as it did to fly to the coast. In 1999, Access Air, a Des Moines-based startup, initiated flights between Des Moines, Los Angeles, and New York, The service lasted nearly two years, but failed in part because it could not attract business travelers from local companies who continued to use corporate jets. Next, business leaders focused on attracting Texas-based Southwest Airlines, which was already providing competitively priced flights from Omaha and Kansas City. To win over Southwest, Des Moines hired Don Smythe, the recently retired Omaha Airport director, who had recruited Southwest to that city. Part three of this column will look at how Smythe changed air travel culture in Des Moines and traces the history of the current airport expansion plan. And again, that was the Albert Files written by David Albert, a columnist for the business record. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry survey shows diverse business outlooks for upcoming quarter. In the previous business survey sent to the Iowa Association of Business and Industry board members, businesses provide a balanced outlook on sales for the next quarter. About 39% of respondents anticipate sales to expand with the same percentage expecting sales to remain stable. The remaining 21% are cautious anticipating a reduction in sales. Survey results showed a more optimistic tone for employment, with 46% of respondents expecting an increase in the number of employees within their organization over the next quarter, only 17% expected a decrease in employees. The survey also revealed that 64% of respondents have plans to make capital expenditures in the upcoming quarter, showing a commitment from businesses to innovate and expand their operations while contributing to economic growth. ABI President Mike Ralston said in a prepared statement, Iowa is doing things right. With recent news of state government surplus, accelerated business tax reductions, and regulatory changes, Iowa businesses are primed for continued growth. Iowa businesses and our state leaders have made sound decisions that continue to insulate us from the extremes. Each quarter, ABI sends a quarterly business survey to provide a comprehensive snapshot Of the industry's current, state, and future trajectory, the survey for the fourth quarter of 2023 was sent to ABI board members in mid-September. ABI will also host its annual Iowa Manufacturing Conference and Legends in Manufacturing uh, this week to provide insight and advice on the top challenges and opportunities facing Iowa manufacturers today from using new technology to finding new markets and that conference uh, be at the FFA Enrichment Center on the DMAC campus in Ankeny. The Iowa Wolves and Principal released their 2023-24 Community Celebration Games. The Iowa Wolves, which is an NBA G League affiliate of the Minnesota Timberwolves, and Principal Financial Group will continue their collaboration with the return of Community Celebration Games presented by Principal this season. Local organizations will help create and present unique player jerseys in celebration of the many diverse communities in Iowa with an ensuing jersey auction to benefit local nonprofits. All six community celebration games will return from the 2022-23 season. And the games this year include on December 3rd, Pride, Cap City Pride, on December 15th, Disability Empowerment Night, on January 23rd will be AAP Night, Iowa Asian Alliance. 7 p.m. on February 3rd, Black History Night. Uh, the benefiting organization there will be the African American Museum of Iowa. Uh, March 16th will be Hispanic Heritage Night. they recipient there will be the Latino Heritage Festival. And March 29th, Women's History Night, Girl Scouts of Greater Iowa and Art Force Iowa will be the beneficiaries of that game. And a final story from the business record for the week of October 4th. Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Nag announced that the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship will again offer its crop insurance discount program for acres that are planted with cover crops. Farmers and landowners who plant fall cover crops will have the opportunity to apply for a $5 per acre discount on the spring crop insurance premiums. Farmers and landowners will be able to start enrolling in the crop insurance discount program on December 1st. And you've been listening to the Business Record on IRIS, the Iowa radio reading information service for the blind and print handicapped. I'm Pat Steele, and thank you for sharing your time with IRIS.